Welcome to You News, the podcast, using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Monday, October 21st, and I'm Aranza Luisaga. These are today's headlines. After taking the unprecedented step of announcing his Miami resort would host the G7 summit, President Trump making a sudden about face because of bipartisan uproar and claims of corruption. Following the U.S. removal of troops from Syria, a worsening situation is unfolding between Turkish forces and the Kurds, as experts warn of the possibility of ethnic cleansing on the part of the Turks. And Latino Muslims are heading to the southern border to help fellow Muslims from Africa or the Middle East trying to get asylum in the U.S. This and much more today on U News, recorded live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin with the presidency in peril. Donald Trump now saying he's no longer considering hosting the 2020 G7 summit on his property in Doral after uproar from both Democrats and Republicans. Meanwhile, his acting chief of staff is trying to explain himself after making a stunning admission during a press briefing. Lorraine Cáceres has the latest on the impeachment inquiry. The president backtracking on his idea to host next year's G7 summit on his property in Doral, Florida, tweeting Saturday. Based both on media and Democrat crazed and irrational hostility, we will no longer consider Trump National Doral, Miami as the host site for the G7 in 2020, explaining that he thought he was, quote, doing something very good for our country at no profit and only if permissible by law because it would be a perfect location. But for Senator Blumenthal, the proposal is a clear violation of the Emoluments Clause and an example of why he is suing the president. But even if there's no profit, there's clearly a payment or benefit because at that time of year, as you heard earlier during Anderson Cooper's show, the Doral probably is going to be largely deserted. This as the president grows increasingly frustrated with his acting chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, after this exchange with the media about Trump's phone call with Ukraine. But to be clear, what you just described is a quid pro quo. It is... Funding will not flow unless the investigation into the into the Democratic server uh, happens as well. We, we do we do that all the time so with foreign policy. His admission causing shock among both Democrats and Republicans. The White House attempting to do damage control and Mulvaney walking back his comments. Why'd you say that? Again, that's not what I said. That's what people said that I said. Here's what I said. I'll say it again. Uh, and hopefully people will listen this time. There were two reasons that we held up the aid. Um, we've talked about this at some length. The first one was the uh, the rampant corruption in Ukraine. Ukraine, by the way, Chris, is so bad in Ukraine that in 2014, Congress passed a law uh, making it uh, making us uh, requiring us to make sure that corruption was moving in the right direction. Meanwhile, the impeachment inquiry is moving along this week with the crucial testimony of Bill Taylor a top Ukraine diplomat who said on a text message with EU ambassador Gordon Sondland that withholding aid was, quote, crazy. This as tough Republican Lindsey Graham says he's open-minded about impeachment. Show me something that, that, that is a crime. If you could show me that, you know, Trump actually was engaging in a quid pro quo outside the phone call, that would be very disturbing. 
That interview was recorded two days before Mick Mulvaney's comment to the press. Today, the president had his first cabinet meeting since July. Many of his members have been named during the impeachment inquiry. He said during that meeting that the party must stay unified during the investigation. Meanwhile, Bill Taylor's testimony is expected on Tuesday. Aranza, back to you. All right, thank you so much for this information. And according to sources, acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney faced internal efforts to oust him before House Democrats moved ahead with their impeachment inquiry against President Donald Trump. The Chief of Staff role, traditionally one of the most important in any administration, has been a famously difficult one in the Trump era. All three of his chiefs have tried different governing styles, but the result is nearly always the same. The president ultimately making the decisions and eventually undercutting his top deputy. Meanwhile, one of Trump's few GOP opponents in the Senate, Mitt Romney, is admitting to having a secret Twitter account that he sometimes uses to defend himself against mean tweets. He called it its lurker account during an interview with The Atlantic. Afterwards, a reporter discovered an account called Pierre Delecto that follows all of Romney's children. When asked about it, Rodney responded, c'est moi, which means it's me in French. That account was created right after he announced he was running for president in 2011. Messages for the account have since been switched to private. And President Donald Trump once again took to Twitter to defend his decision to pull U.S. troops out of northern eastern Syria. But in the process, he incorrectly identified his secretary of defense. Trump tweeted, quote, Mark Esperanto, Secretary of Defense, the ceasefire is holding up very nicely. There are some minor skirmishes that have ended quickly, new areas being wrestled with the Kurds. USA soldiers are not in combat or ceasefire zones. We have secured the oil, bring soldiers home, it says. But the man the president put in charge of the Pentagon is named Mark Esper, not Esperanto. And for the latest on a crisis, many attribute to rash decision-making or worse, on the part of the president, a ceasefire in Syria is running out with both sides, the Turks and the Kurds, accusing each other of violating the deal. Janet Rodriguez has more from Washington. There are reports of clashes between Kurdish and Turkish troops in northern Syria, as just hours remain in what U.S. officials hailed as a brokered ceasefire. The Secretary of Defense confirming they're now considering leaving more U.S. troops in the country. We have troops in towns in south and northeast Syria that uh, are located next to the oil fields. The purpose is to deny access, specifically revenue, to uh, ISIS and any other groups that may want to seek that revenue to enable their own malign activities. There has been a discussion about uh, possibly doing it. Uh, there's been no decision uh, with regard to numbers or anything like that. My job, uh, the, the military's job, is to prepare options and then present them to the president and, and let him decide. But over the weekend, Kurdish military leaders have said its troops are in a defensive position, calling into questions the effectiveness of the ceasefire. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo defending the deal. The Turks said they got everything they wanted. Yeah, I was there. Uh, it, it sure didn't feel that way uh, when we were negotiating. It was a hard-fought negotiation. But with more than 200 killed, the Kurds now fearful of ethnic cleansing as Turkish forces move in. Secretary Pompeo says that the concerns have been addressed with Turkey. 
we were very clear, and the vice president could not have been more clear when we were speaking with President Erdogan uh, in that Turkish-controlled space that there wouldn't be uh, attacks on minorities, uh, that this was about getting a ceasefire, a secure area, and that this, in fact, will save lives. Here in Washington, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham, along with Democrats, are pushing for a bill in the Senate to impose even further sanctions to Turkey, while Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is saying that Trump's decision to pull the troops out of northern Syria is a grave strategic mistake. In Washington, Janet Rodriguez, U News. Janet, thank you very much. And staying in Washington, the new U.S. Supreme Court term is underway, during which the court will decide on several cases that could have profound impacts on undocumented immigrants. One of those cases involves a question about whether states are allowed to prosecute undocumented immigrants for using fake Social Security numbers. Luis Mejid has more on the case and its possible implications. There are thousands of undocumented workers using social security numbers that belong to somebody else. Now the Supreme Court is going to decide whether states can prosecute them for identity theft, something only the federal government can do. Immigrant advocates say the consequences of allowing those prosecutions would be severe. The implication would be to re-traumatize the community and put them in more fear of not only being penalized with immigration and being penalized criminally. The case made it all the way up to the Supreme Court after an appeal by a county in Kansas, a county that tried unsuccessfully to prosecute people who use fake social security numbers. Some undocumented workers told us to use fake numbers is for them the only way to get a job. Cases like this one only make them feel more afraid. If the Supreme Court decision favors Kansas, it would mean that every state would have the right to prosecute immigrants for identity theft. A final decision is expected late June. In San Francisco, Luis Mejid, U News. And staying on the topic of immigration, slowing down the flow of Central American migrants entering the United States has been central to the Trump administration's immigration efforts. But a recent surge of Mexican migrants may reignite tensions between the two governments. Pablo Gato has more. The sudden increase in the number of Mexicans applying for asylum has taken the U.S. authorities by surprise. The increase has been so sharp that Mexicans have become again the number one source of undocumented immigrants to the United States, surpassing Central Americans. According to the Washington Post, the number of Mexicans arrested at the border increased 25% since the end of July to the end of September. Mexico says that the increase is because of temporary workers coming to the U.S. But this expert declares that it was obvious that the undocumented immigration would go on. Because of the violence in places like Mexico, for example, the violence we have seen in Sinaloa in the arrest and release of El Chapo's son. The necessity and the fear are much bigger than any law, he says. The paper says that there is great frustration in Homeland Security because they don't know how to stop this surge. Hondurans and um, El Salvadorans. The challenge for the immigration authorities is that they can't send the Mexican asylum seekers back to Mexico as they do with immigrants from Honduras and El Salvador. First, because Mexican authorities cannot arrest them in their attempt to get to the border, since they are in their own country. Secondly, because President Trump wants that the asylum seekers ask for asylum in the first country that they arrive to, 
In the case of Mexicans, it is the U.S. Mexicans apply for asylum claiming fear to persecution or violence, which normally grants them the right to an immigration hearing. Nothing indicates that this violence will end anytime soon. We have seen that violence is increasing, and I think that this year will be the most violent in the history of Mexico, says this expert. Something that U.S. authorities fear could spark a new immigration crisis at the border. Washington, Pablo Gato, U News. It's not just Central American migrants trying to cross the border into the U.S. Mexico says they've seen an increase of Muslim migrants from Africa and the Middle East are looking to eventually make their way to a better life on the other side. Here's Jenny Aponte. In recent months, dozens of Muslim migrants from different countries have been arriving in Tijuana, Mexico. Like this young man from Ghana who arrived in this border town with his wife and daughter after traveling through several countries for more than three months. He claims that he left his country because his life was in danger. Since his arrival in Tijuana, he got a job washing cars. He says that seeking asylum in the United States is a possibility, but that what he wants is to be able to live in peace. I'm just looking for I am just looking for a good life with my family, a place where I can move with them without any problems. Sonia Garcia of the Latina Muslim Foundation in California says that they have found dozens of Muslim migrants, most of them from Syria, Yemen, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iraq and various African countries. They arrive with a taboo, with fear. Many of them hide. Many of them don't want other people to know they are Muslims. And we realize who they are because the women wear hijabs. In order to help them, there is a shelter where they can practice their religion and their customs are respected. We give them medical help, lawyers, teach them about Mexico, its culture, so that they can feel confident that they know they are going to arrive at a place where there are also other Muslims. Experts say that the challenges facing this group of migrants is greater than most and that practically all of them are fleeing from countries in the midst of armed conflicts. Reported by Jorge Fregoso, this is Gianni Aponte for U News. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your news, your world, your news on Fusion. Welcome back to U News. Let's go to Annabelle Zidane with what's trending. Annabelle, take it away. Hi there, that's right, and we begin with this. Samsung is raising a red flag about the new Galaxy S10 and Note 10. The company says someone else may be able to unlock your phone. The smartphones can be fooled by residue left by fingers on a screen protector, which is why the company wants users to remove screen protectors until they can fix the problem. Samsung thinks the screen protectors make the sensor malfunction. They say a software update will fix the issue. And listen to this one. 
Consumers are actively doing what they can to avoid robocalls. Active registrations on the national do-not-call list increased over the past year. The FTC's new data also shows total number of consumer complaints decreased slightly for a second straight year. Of those complaints, nearly three of every four were about robocalls. Complaints about imposer scams had a significant jump over the last fiscal year. And finally, there are new phone cases, but listen to this. They're covered with artificial skin that may augment mobile devices, which input new input gestures. The designer said he wanted to replace a cold interface of devices with a realistic version of human skin. The team created two prototypes. The artificial skin is programmed to detect different gestures, such as tickling, poking, and pinching, and link them to various emotions. Um, I find it kind of creepy, but that's just me. Good luck with that. I'm Adabel Sedano, and that was your Daily Dose of Tech News. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.